Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. On it. So we start the 20 off where Han has just jumped into the pilot seat of the Millennium Falcon and they've taken off from Kessel to run away from uh, essentially the Imperial Guard who's just realized that they've broken into essentially the mines of Kessel. Uh, there's a bunch of TIE fighters swirling around them. Han's at the helm of the ship while Lando is trying to save the last dying sparks of L3's life. Uh, and essentially he fails, L3 dies, and uh, Lando's very, very upset. Helpfully, they'll, they're able to transfer her consciousness, her downloaded navigational system processor. processor into the bones of the Millennium Falcon, and they use that intel to make their escape, essentially, in order to plan their coordinates for uh, hyperspace. It's pretty tricky. It's a narrow cavity, but they're man they manage to, uh, to, to punch it. Right? Yeah. They, they get out. They have the unrefined coaxium, so they're on a really tight time schedule. Lando says it can't be done in under 20 parsecs, but Han takes the shortcut right around all of the chaos of space and all of the worst possible things that we've essentially seen in raw space in Star Wars ever. Uh, and then, like you said, they punch their way free, make it to Savarine just in time to get the coaxium refined. Uh, and while they're there, they run into a familiar foe. It is Infus Nest and the the band of merry misfits uh, who have been uh, Cloud Rider gang. I that's think. that's right. They've been chasing them around the galaxy, and, and this I guess is supposed to be some kind of twist when we learn that really they're not uh, murderous marauders. They're just allies, no different than Han Solo. Which and then I guess they try and surprise us with the revelation that Crimson Dawn is kind of shady, which is again not surprising in the least. Yeah, I mean we find out that there are. Like, not just shady, but in, sen in a sense, some of the worst mercenaries in the entire galaxy. This is very true. So, uh, Han, he, we don't get a lot of details at this point, but he divulges some kind of plan to uh, steal the coaxium on behalf of Infus Nest and gang. Uh, and uh, Beckett is not down. He's like, no, that's not what I signed up for. I did my part of the job. I'm walking off. You can either come with me or you can find me later on Tatooine. Either way, either way, you're on your own. Yeah, essentially Beckett sees this as he's lost either way because if Enfys steals it from him, uh, Dryden Voss will kill him. Uh, if he tries to protect it, Enfys Nest will kill him and ultimately the conscience of the fact that he's giving it to Crimson Dawn. And so Beckett says, peace out, and Han decides that he's going to Choose a little bit of a moral compass, yes, and he kind of is going to set up Dryden Voss. And in and around there, there was also yet another instance of Kira rejecting Han. Yep. And it's, I think, I think my least favorite line in the whole movie is... I am not the good guy. I am definitely not the good guy. I'm a terrible person. Grins through fucking shit all over his teeth. Mm. He hasn't done a single morally compromised thing in this entire movie. Mm. I'm a terrible person. Yeah. What are you talking about? That doesn't fit at all. It doesn't fit at all. I'm really, and it's not, it's I don't think he calls himself the villain. I think he says, like, um, I'm not the good guy. Yeah. Yeah. She says, You're the good guy. And he's like, I'm not the good guy. I'm, and then I'm, he does say the terrible person thing. Yeah. Well, if he had stopped at, I'm not, I'm definitely not the good guy. Like, that's fine, but I'm a terrible person. Mm. You're laying it on way, way too thick. Not even close yet. Like, you know, when you watch 
a um, uh, Peter Sellers movie and you're like, oh, this is so hacky. These these comedy tropes are so cliche. And you're like, well, not really, because he invented them. That's a very good way of putting it. And so, or like like Alfred Hitchcock is the same. It's like, this isn't a hacky horror movie. He invented mm-hmm. the genre. And so it's kind of like um, this shtick that Han Solo is perpetually guilty of, of being like, no, I'm you can't trust me. Wink, wink, I'm actually a hero. Yeah, is, this Han hasn't earned it. That's the thing is it's acceptable when Harrison Ford does it because it was a younger concept back then. And he was like one of, he's not the original uh, outlaw good guy. But, but I mean, the first scene we see him in is Han shoots first. That's, that's right. That sets the foundation for all that, that he is not your quintessential good guy. Right. And this entire movie, we don't see any of that except, well, we'll see maybe in the next 20. But um, <laughs> yeah, this it's, it's definitely, in my opinion, this 20 has the massive, massive failure of zero stakes yeah. whatsoever. It kind of uh, highlighted that the whole movie really has zero stakes. Exactly. It because, kind of makes the whole plot seem kind of small potatoes. Yeah, because it's supposed to be kind of like this pivotal moment. We all know that they're going, they're all in the, on the Falcon. So one of them can't die. They're all going to make it out because we know the Falcon does. Right. And we also know that obviously it's Han Solo and that he's going to, this is the Kessel Run. It's going to be successful. We right. all know this. So there's no stakes right there. Uh, Lando does take off uh, when they get to Savarine. So Lando is safe. Um, no stakes there because we already know that Beckett and Kira are the ones that we are unsure of. And right. they're the ones who are still around. We learn about Enfys Nest, which essentially just removes any stakes that there could be added to that character by essentially taking her away as a foe. Exactly. Which means there's even less point to the end of the movie because all it does is affirm Han as a better person as opposed to making him more cynical. Right. And ultimately means that there's less of a catalyst or less of of a draw, uh, like to really pull them apart. I had the same feelings. So weak about Enfys Nest. in that if in all their misguided efforts to make this a, an important film in the Star Wars canon, uh, if they really thought they were going to do a solo trilogy, why in the world did they reveal Infus Nest as an ally in the first two hours or the first hour and a half of the first movie? Like, I don't care about this character at all. I've Not only, even a little. I've only ever seen her once before, and it was like kind of quick and action-packed. It yep. was a cool scene, but I don't care zero about exactly. this person. If you had waited until the third Solo movie, knock mm-hmm. on wood, uh, I might have been more interested to see that this is not what we thought. Yep. It, it's... It's just really disappointing because it's just removing stakes. Beckett walks away. And so it's just there's less and less to care about. And it almost seems like it's ending the movie. I mean, yes, we get a little bit more after this. And that the next 20 is so much better than this 20. But the problem is the stakes and the quality of the next 20 needed to also exist in this 20. And they're just not there at all. Do you agree with what I said in the recap about how they seem to be revealing things as if they're going to shock you? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like you're expecting for that like storm sequence to be one that's intense, but or but there's nothing intense about it. Right. And the same thing when you get to like like when we're supposed to find the reveal on Beckett and Kira and all these things, or like you said about Crimson Dawn. None of these things are surprising. Or L three being a part of the Falcon. Like no, nobody would have predicted that. But like they seem to say it as if it solves this mystery that's been around for forty years, yeah. and it just doesn't. And yeah. I'm sorry that Lando's line. She's part of the ship now. She's interfacing. She's part of the ship now. 
is yeah, the corniest line. I, I, I do agree that Lando is not good. Donald Glover is not good as Lando in this 20. Oh. I didn't like. I thought in the previous two 20s, yes, but I didn't like it in this 20, and I see a little bit more of your stance on that version of Lando for sure. Uh, at one point, Han refers to uh, the Falcon as Rinky Dink. He's talking about how he knows these guys, they're not going to waste a single TIE fighter on this Rinky Dink freighter. Yeah. I mean, first of all, TIE fighters are very small in Rinky Dink. Yes, and that's the whole point. They're disposable. Yeah. Also, the Falcon is just a freighter, but, and it's also not huge, but is Rinky Dink the, the way to describe it? On like, on the one hand, it's not really the size of what you picture when you see a freighter. You know what I mean? Like freighter is kind of a weird word for it too. It's a small freighter. Sure is. Yes, a very small freighter, hence why it's a smuggling ship. Yeah, Rinky Dink is not really accurate. Rinky Dink, it doesn't work for Lando's Falcon. Right. It works for Han's Falcon. Yes. Yeah. Uh, or like a small ship, like you said, like a TIE fighter. You could even say that about them. Um, but yeah, you're right. That doesn't that doesn't really apply for this circumstance of the Falcon by any means. Before we get off uh, the revelation about Crimson Dawn, if you want to even call it that. Here's an observation I made during this 20, which kind of changes a lot of things. Uh, when Infus Nest is given the rundown about who's really the bad guy and the cutting out of the tongues and everything, yeah. she's like, and you know who those people were? And then she points to the old lady who doesn't talk, and the old lady draws with her finger in the dirt on the wall yeah. a circle with a circle inside and then a line through the middle. And then we see Kira's Crimson Dawn tattoo, and you realize she has drawn the Crimson Dawn uh, uh crest or whatever yes. and you realize that, okay crimson dawn is the one who's cutting out tongues when i first saw this movie and when i second saw this movie i thought she was drawing the death star what it looks exactly the same oh i didn't really yes absolutely and so in that moment i'm like yeah the empire's bad you know what i mean oh i i totally but always... either either way it's kind of like Ooh. But yeah, you're right. It, it, and also the Crimson Dawn crest is stupid and it's drawn poorly because it's kind of like a reflected image uh, as opposed to what it's drawn. She doesn't we also, draw it right. We also don't know the Crimson Dawn image until we see Kira's tattoo. It was seen a lot in Dryden Voss's area, I'm pretty sure. We're not making mental notes of that on our first viewing of the movie. We're not going, is she draw? Oh, oh my God, she she did. She drew the Crimson Dawn logo. Well, I just think it was pretty obvious at that point that that's who it was. I guess, I mean, but this I just is find supposed it to be... To be the terif- this is supposed to be the reveal about Kira, but which so fucking isn't. No, it's not. It's nothing interesting at all about it. Beckett. Now, we know uh, when Beckett says he's leaving that that's not the whole truth, but we're going to get to that next week. Mm. It is perhaps one of the more uh, satisfying fan services to refer to Tatooine and indirectly Jabba the Hutt the way he does. Absolutely. Heard about a job, big shot gangster putting together a crew. That'll be the one. That's that's pretty nice. Do we I believe, like that line. Do we believe that Beckett would have gone there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't see any reason why not. I think that's why we see Han and Chewie going there right after. Right. It's as if like they're picking up that mantle. But it like all this does is shine a light on the fact that I wanted yeah. I wanted to see that. Like I would it, rather have seen that too. Yeah. Why do we need to see the Kessel Run? Let's find out why Han's in trouble all the time. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been great to see him like become well, even to see him almost earn his name in the first like twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah. And not I mean like find out what his fucking like substitute last name is going to be for the rest of his life but like really earn his name as kind of like a big shot smuggler in the yeah, galaxy right and then spend the rest of the movie of him like you said almost like making his image worse of being somebody who does tend to you know 
let shit happen once in a while. Exactly. But you're right. It, it's a total missed opportunity, and it's obviously because they wanted to do the trilogy, but there's not nearly enough growth with Han in this movie. Uh, I know I'm all over the map here, but no. uh, when I guess this is kind of the 20 where uh, Chewie becomes the co-pilot of the Falcon. Yes. Which is kind of exciting, and uh, he first kind of suggests that Kira can be that co-pilot. He's like, I need a co-pilot. And a handjob. But um, then Chewie kind of takes over because he knows what to do. And this impresses Han. And Chewie's like, I'm 190. 190, you look great. But we don't speak Wookiee. So we just hear 190 years old. You Mm. look great. And this is like a really old, cheap, theatrical trope for exposing exposition. Because like, we only hear one half of a phone conversation. No, no, no. Oh, you're still at the airport. You're in a sweater. What the hell's the matter with you? Everything... Everything spoken from Chewbacca to Han ever is that. I don't agree. Always and forever. I don't agree. I think that, especially in A New Hope, a lot of what Chewie says, we can only assume because Han is kind of reacting to it. Uh, the, the Wookiee doesn't like you. Not He direct. Let me translate. He didn't translate it here. My whole point is he Han, did. Han. Yeah, but Han has to be Chewbacca's exposition. I really am not remotely bothered by this. Uh, no. No, it, it, it stood out to me. And it might just be because I don't like Alden Ehrenreich, who, by the way, looks 45 years old in this 20. He doesn't look great at a couple shots, although I did have a couple lines specifically. I know we're getting dragged in a circle. Yep. Beckett, hurry up. We only got one shot at this thing. Uh, I have both of those as being extremely well-executed lines okay. in terms of the way he says it. Why? He says them exactly the way... Harrison Ford does when he's frustrated and driving the Falcon. Okay. Beckett, hurry up! We only get one shot at this thing! Impatient and like 3PO's nattering in his ear or Leia's telling him to do something but it's it's very well executed in, the, in those kind of uh, lines. Very reminiscent and being very sniping. Yeah. Well, Han has a certain way of talking when it's chaotic and it's loud and he's trying to get them the hell out of there. Exactly. And that's what this yeah. captures quite well, I think. Um, so... I have some other quotes that are just kind of zippy and fun, not necessarily uh, great revelations. Um, I mean, obviously, I've got a really good feeling about this. I know you don't like it. Mm. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it, but uh, it's not the end of the world. Usually in situations like this, I like to turn around in the opposite direction. Uh, That's a good one. I I like Lando's. Uh, She found a way out. 90 degrees to the left. Ish. Leftish. Like, he says leftish like it's infirmed. Like, that's definitely the direction. It's leftish. Right. This is why you never let anyone fly your ship. I didn't like that. I thought the execution of it was shit. Oh, why? Uh, That was so bad. I just thought it was... I thought it was lame. I thought it was poorly executed. Okay, what about the the parsecs thing? Not if you're round down. Oh, that was great. That's pretty good. That's a great one. Yeah, I think so. Uh, And I think I Hate You, I Know is my favorite interaction in the 20. Yeah. That is definitely a good one. Yeah. Um, what do we want to call the 20? Um, I don't we really only get know. one shot at this thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. A little apropos for the name of the movie. <laughs> Could use a co-pilot isn't bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. We only get one shot at this thing. I think the more I rewatch this movie for a third or fourth time, I, I, I don't like this movie. Yeah, it's it's drops. It's the bottom of my movie rankings other than The Clone Wars. Yeah. Yeah, Attack of the Clones. No, the Clone Wars movie, the cartoon one. Oh, I haven't even I seen prefer that. Attack of the Clones to this. Yeah, yeah, I think I do, I too. I prefer Attack of the Clones and the Phantom Menace. Well, because it I means more. I prefer Attack of the Clones to the Phantom Menace, which usually people don't. They mean more. They matter oh, more. So much more. Yeah. And the stakes being that much higher and actually learning more about the Jedi and the Sith and 
the galaxy as an overall and the legends and the prophecies way more interesting than like expanding upon a line Han said in a, right. Hope. a character who is liked for his mystery. Exactly. Give me a break. Okay, let's do some trivia. Sure. Theoretically speaking, what can you not make the Kessel run in less than? 20 parsecs. It's a pretty easy one. Yeah. And they make it in? They make it in, I think it's 12.9. Right. If you round down, it's 12. Yeah. I think I, I, <laughs> I think I may have checked the, the, the Wookiee translation on yeah. that, or I'm just assuming it was really 12 high. <laughs> so they carpet bomb the record. Like they- Oh yeah, destroy they it. They own the record. Yeah, by a lot. So it makes sense that he's still boasting it's the ship that made the castle run in 12 parsecs. Yes, because I mean, Ray, Ray says 14 and he right. has to correct her and say it's 12. That's true. It's like 50 years later. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that record would stand forever and ever. Oh my God, absolutely. No one's <laughs> dumb enough to try it. Right. It's terrifyingly dangerous. Absolutely. Um, according to Han, who's the best street racer in the history of Corellia? <laughs> this is my, uh, my master question for you. Oh. It's needles. It's needles. Do you know why that's fun for me? It's a direct reference to Back to the it Future. It has to be. No, it is. Yeah. It is a direct reference. How do you know? Uh, because it's in the like uh, trivia. I'm pretty sure Jonathan Kasdan had it in his list of like oh. 75 fun things about Solo or whatever it was. He also, had... Kathleen Kennedy produced all those movies. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, something I picked up from my pal Needles. Best street racer in all Corellia. Until he crashed and died doing this needles not only a bizarre name for a character but is really only prominent is only a fixture in back to the future because of an elusive street racing sequence yeah so that's kind of fun until yeah. the crash yeah, although well, that's the which killed him <laughs> yes which is also a funny line although needles doesn't crash in back to the future he no. narrowly misses the rules and marty would have been the one who did crash that's right and sent his life straight down the tubes <laughs> uh, yeah i thought that was a good one how many hired guns does Han lie and say he has in the Falcon? Um, 30? About 30. About 30? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, I thought that was a a good concept, but it, the execution didn't come across. I 100% right. agree. I, I think that's. I think it's a good comedic premise, yeah. but it, it he didn't sell it. It's really cringy, honestly. Yeah, it, it really I guess is. it's supposed to be cringy. I think part of it's... It, that One of that's... Part of the reason why that's one of my least favorite scenes in the movie is because it shows his stature so evidently. Okay. He looks him short. so goddamn small in oh, that scene. That's interesting. Which takes away so much because, like we've mentioned before, the whole reason why this doesn't feel like Han Solo is because the Han Solo we know is the adult. Yep. Luke Skywalker is the kid. Yep. And so seeing Han as the kid... They're not, that's just not the same character. No, but they knew they were doing that. They wanted to show you Han as a kid. Absolutely. But I, I think, think it's they, a mistake. I, it's a mistake, but I also think they mostly failed. Maybe in this case, he does look small and, and, yeah. and cherubic. Mostly, I think he looks like a grown man. And that's why I, it's one of my biggest issues with it. I and Ansel Elgort doesn't look like a grown man still. No, no, I agree. It's, it's kind of like he's that weird in between, like partially a grown man, but partially seems young and yeah. And that's why I think a guy like Ansel Elgort would have been better because he's got a baby face. So you can at least, if you're going to write a script like this, and he's play like into it. gangly, but he has his own kind of coolness. But you can also make it a lot easier for six foot four him to look six foot one than five foot eight Alden Ehrenreich to look six foot one. Yeah, Alden Ehrenreich is kind of stocky or like, or like maybe he has bigger shoulders than Harrison I think it, Ford. I think it's the jacket. I think that's all it is. 
Yeah, maybe you're right. I think it was a mistake because the, the jacket's like a kind of a thicker leather, whereas Hans... He's like, got like big pecs in it or something. Yeah, Hans wasn't so much of a bomber jacket the same way uh, in Empire and in obviously New Hope, it's a vest. It is in Force Awakens. He weirdly goes back to bomber jackets. Uh, in The Force Awakens, well, it's yes-ish, but The Force Awakens, apparently, like, there was duster coat that he was going to be in for part of the movie. Uh, apparently, there was also, they considered going with the vest. Yeah. Um, and so they, there was a lot of different, uh, I, I recently bought The Art of The Force Awakens to try and make some kind of discoveries about <laughs> uh, the rise of Skywalker. And so it's, it's interesting to kind of see some early concepts of, of Han. They're very Blade Runner. Oh, sure. Yeah. Any other observations about this about this movie? Any other trivia you want to throw my way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've got a few more trivia. Um, let's see. Quotes you want to haul out? Because I pretty much have said my piece already, and I think I've really just ragged on this 20 the entire time. So uh, what color cape does Kira put, on, uh, put out the flames on the falcon with? I think it's red. It is red. Yeah. Good job. Uh, and the master question would be, uh, when Han asked Beckett if the tie was on them, what did Beckett compare the situation to? Oh, um, he compares it to two different things. The second one, something, uh, something pelt. Yeah, that's pretty good. A Gingleson's pelt. A ging- what, what is that? It's an animal critter? I assume so. A Gingleson's pelt or a rationaled on a calic. Okay. Also kind of a funny comedic premise and delivered a little bit better because Woody Harrelson can say weird stuff. Yep. And also it was nice to get that little shot in the gunner seat. Actually, I just said it. I think I said it well. Woody Harrelson, his role in this movie is to say weird Star Wars-y stuff. He does a good he job He does a lot of it and he does it very fine. He really does. Yeah. Uh, the little like interaction between Lando about Orsing, little things like that throughout. Definitely. Right. Very good point. Or the whole thing about, um, where's he from? What instrument does he play? Oh, the Valachord on Gleon Sam. Yeah. Like he, he says, the, says those. Great Star Wars trivia. Right. He says those very naturally. Yes, he does. He definitely sounds like he's from the galaxy far, far away. He's he's in the lived-in galaxy. Exactly. Anything else? Anything else you want to point out about this twenty? Um, we talked about Tatooine. We talked about Chewie taking over his mantle. The loss of Lando. Talked about Infus Nest a lot. Talked about Dryden, and we talked talked about Kira icing him one more time. Although we have a couple more good Kira scenes coming up in the next twenty. I'm really hoping that the next twenty saves some of my feelings about this movie because it's not a fun movie to watch in 20s at all no it really isn't and it doesn't it doesn't break apart great but it's also one that i think it does kind of highlight it i think we it breaks it we break it apart well here because i think the majority of them had a similar vibe to them yeah so that like it's almost like the 20 was consistent whether it was consistently bad consistently disappointing consistently decent uh consistently chock full of star wars trivia and fun in that regard right but it's so like they're they're fairly consistent but they're as an overarching massive disappointment yeah uh, but no, not really a whole lot more to say other than I didn't like the line, uh, don't fly toward it, Han, that Beckett said. I thought that was really stupid. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's really pretty much all I have. Uh, she's a hell of a ship. I hate you, I know, like you said. That's good. The best line. Yeah. It's so subtle and yet seems so obvious. Yeah. I thought Savarine and Vandor, Vandor obviously is probably the coolest planet, but Savarine's very cool as well. And it's a shame because they spend probably the most time on Kessel and... Um, Corellia, yeah. whereas the other two are much cooler planets. I do really like that big uh, volcanic red swirl they almost get sucked into. That's pretty cool effects. Yeah, I did write down a, kind of what those things are called. I think it's uh, it's called the Maw. Yeah. And so the Maw is a gravity well. 
And I did have it written down what the name of that monster was, but I accidentally erased it. And so I'm glad that wasn't one of the trivia questions you asked me. And I'm it's glad fine. I didn't give it to you either. It's okay. <laughs> it's just cool to look at. The effects are good. And that's yes. something that saves the movie because we're here in 2019. Yeah, I guess. To be honest, I thought like even with the effects, it's hard to follow that scene. So yeah. it's just, it, let, it lets chaos. me down. Yeah, that's too right. much chaos. We must have lots of news to talk about because it's been weeks since we've done the podcast. In fact, I know we have lots of news to talk about. That's true. Although I do want to make one more comment. Okay. The TIE Fighters and the actual drift itself that Han does on the asteroid, both of those are awesome. The okay. fact that having TIE Fighters in there with high presence in the chase... And the fact that he does that drift. Both of those things were really cool. I find it pretty gratifying when he slips through there vertically and then the two rocks collide together. Like I find That's good, that, too. I find that pretty fun. That's kind of what you want. Yeah, for from, sure. From a Fast and the Furious movie. Yeah, well, that's a fair point. Yeah. In space, that's all this is, really. It is. Uh, but yes, lots of news. Uh, let's start off with the most unfortunate of it, but certainly the most notable of it all would be the passing of Peter Mayhew. That's right. And so that uh, it's not so overly unexpected in terms of his health issues the last while. But I, did, I didn't know about that. It kind of did take me by surprise because he's only, I think, 74, yeah. which is like getting up there. But he's, he's seven foot two. Yeah. Big guy. So that can definitely take a bit of a toll on you. And so I guess age wise compared to height wise, probably um, probably on pretty close to the average right certainly too early a lot of nice things said about him but he's essentially beloved by everyone who's had anything to ever do with star wars yeah harrison ford grumpiest of all grumpies had like has nothing but amazing things to say about peter mayhew still to this day that's cool uh everybody absolutely adored the man and he's always been one of those few people who was great to the fans but great through the fans from start to finish yeah and like stayed in touch with the star wars community and so those people are always extra special and extra hard to lose i don't want to be morbid and i don't want i certainly don't want to rank the star wars uh, uh family members by like who's most important or whatever but like considering how much it hurt a uh, global community when carrie fisher died and and peter mayhew got quite a swan song as Absolutely. well and he like wasn't really a, a a facially recognized person to the the average person which is kind of interesting because it makes it both sadder and better because it shows that well maybe he didn't get the same recognition but at the same time it also shows how amazing he was at that role yeah true. he became chewbacca because chewbacca wasn't just a character played by a guy in a suit chewbacca was a thing chewbacca's yeah. like yoda in that same sense yes Yes, except for that Yoda can kind of live on, and so can Chewie, in a way. Well, I think it's great that they were able to do kind of like in a like a mentorship with each other. I know. And they did that through The Force Awakens, and even acting as a bit of a consultant for, it's if, like not, we, if not this and The Last Jedi, one of the other, I think. It's like we've said, like, uh, Junus can, can keep playing Chewie for a very long time yep. if, if the opportunity is there. And I, since he's so old, I don't see why there won't be more opportunities beyond Episode Nine. Yeah, I think Chewie is one of the very few characters that has the ability to live outside of the saga who has been an essential part of the saga. And there's really no sense in killing him off in episode nine. No, I think that would make people livid. Well, especially now. Yeah. <laughs> especially think, now with the death oh, of Oh, yeah, Mayer. very good point. And I, I think there's a, I think there's a less than 1% chance of that happening. Where I was going with that is not to be tactless, but imagine how it's going to impact people when, say, Harrison Ford passes away. Or Mark Hamill. Yeah, that's going to be destructive. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, or George Lucas or Frank Oz or John Williams. True. Yeah. Um, but like you said, don't mean to rank them, but without a doubt, those ones will all crush the yeah. Star Wars community. It's just the Genesis impact. Absolutely. And, and I... It, 
I guess that's the benefit of having so many people connected within that there's just a lot of people that just the Star Wars community loves. So. Right. Well, yeah. while we're on the subject, uh, this Sunday would have been Peter Mayhew's birthday. So happy birthday to Peter Mayhew. Happy birthday, Peter Mayhew. That's right. Uh, on that same notion of you just mentioned Mark Hamill, this has been within since the last time we did a podcast, which is crazy. But when he shared his, tweet. his stupid tweet about re- uh, retweeting that picture that someone photoshopped yeah. him, uh, him, Harrison Ford, uh, uh, Billy D, and Carrie Fisher all together on the Falcon. And so right. what could have been is what he put there. And then he had to go and what should send, have been or what should have been. Yeah. And then. Um, an apology as well. So. It was dickish. I didn't like it at all. Yeah, it was completely, completely unnecessary. Yeah. It's it's rude to the new generation of Star Wars stars. Yes, uh, he, who I know he has a good relationship with. So I don't know why it was essential. You were just stirring the pot. He he said his response was uh, saw a pic of me with Billy D, Carison, and Harry. Posted it because I miss them. Nothing more, nothing less. I love the new cast too, and I didn't mean to get everyone's knickers in a twist. Maybe I should have just posted an Endgame spoiler instead. Yeah. Well, he has to understand yeah. that he 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 really, and I know his he comes from it with this attitude of like, what are they going to do? Fire me. Mm. But you are, you've still spent decades being a pretty positive. You are a steward of Star Wars. Yeah. And, and there is right now a lot of toxicity in Star Wars that you should be a, a chieftain in trying to uh, quell. And he tries to be, but the problem is sometimes his silliness about the situation does, like you said, stir the pot as opposed to, trying to get people to chill out mm-hmm. and so he needs to realize that this is definitely not how you do it this is right. without a doubt like you said the worst of his stirring the pot antics because there's just no need for it no it's not i i don't know if he gets talk talked to over I something think like this he would have on this one maybe on this one i would have yeah. assumed yeah um, but yeah absolutely adore mark hamill but this one was he was in the wrong yeah i think so uh, John Boyega, he mentioned that he honestly, uh, th- from the bottom of his heart, does not think he's coming back to play Finn. Um, so that means whether that's in some form of side story beyond uh, a 10, 11, 12, uh, whether or not his character lives or dies. Gee, I mean, he, he thinks his time in, with Star Wars is done. I don't. I, okay. I, I guess. But like, I always find it weird when they say things like that in a franchise that's supposedly so secretive. It's well, like, it's like when, uh, when Chris Evans six months ago was like filmed my last day ever as Captain America today. And everyone was like, what does this mean? It's like, there's there's just not enough information to know yep. what you're talking about. That's fair. However, po- like Oscar Isaac has been very, very um, vocal about this being the definitive end. Yep. And they're consistently going more towards that. And J.J., I really think, is nailing the coffin shut. And I want him to. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it makes sense. And it, Finn is one of those characters where he is a main saga character now. And I'm personally more of the mindset that I would like to see those characters like Chewie, how I mentioned before, notwithstanding, not being in that group. I would like to see the Rays, the Poes, the Finns, and the Kylos stick to the saga and not be branched out into different movies and other shit like that. But if one of those three characters has to die, uh, after seeing The Force Awakens, I thought for sure it would be Finn. And now I think it's probably more likely to be Poe. It has to be Poe for yeah. two reasons. One, it was all about him learning leadership lessons in the last one. Yeah. And, and Finn totally should have died at the end of the last exactly. one. Exactly. But Rose saved him, right. and so you can't kill him now. Exactly. 
That's exactly uh, what I was thinking. Although that would have sucked if he had died in The Last Jedi because Finn was amazing in The Force Awakens and sucked in The Last Jedi. So hopefully a redemption movie for him now. He'll get better in this one. I can sure. only assume so because it's a JJ movie and JJ really made Finn an amazing character. Bingo. Another note from movies. We now have release dates for the next three Star Wars movies. We know exactly that? how long our uh, our waiting period is going to be. Assuming there's no delays. Uh, assuming there's no delays, exactly. So it's going to be four days short of three years, and it'll be on uh, the 16th of December, 2022, followed up by the 20th of December, 2024, and the 18th of December, 2026. couple things. The last time we had to wait three years for a Star Wars movie was in 2012 when the acquisition happened. Yep. So we can do it. Absolutely. This also confirms that Disney seems to get, no, people want these at Christmas time. Yep. Absolutely. And every two years, it's not too bad. I like it. And I think because they're going to focus heavily on content that's, you know, within kind of different generations and they're opening up different avenues with Disney Plus and they really went gung-ho and the next, I'll talk about the next story with more stories uh, but I think this is a, I think this is a fine thing, and as long as Cassian's up and running and the Mandalorian's up and running, and maybe there's some news about a couple other shows by then, I mean, I'll be disappointed if we only have Cassian and the Mandalorian prior to 2022. I would definitely want another show before then if we're yeah. not getting another movie. Right. But I think this is a fine thing. I think this is a great chance for them to kind of recenter. So much for them at Celebration saying there's not going to be any Star Wars movies for a while. Well, they said that they were going to take uh, a hiatus. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but it was like it was supposed to be short term. It's just now that they've released it. And I think that's fine. Sure. Okay. Because they also had mentioned that the goal was to have a Star Wars movie released every year. Yes, but that seems to be abandoned now. Well, that's what they meant by saying that we're going to do the hiatus. Basically telling right. everybody, we're abandoning that. We're going to do hiatus. Now this is them they did, re repositioning they did, things. They did say a Star Wars movie every year. Yeah. And at the time, I was like, hell yeah. And now I'm like, geez, that's exhausting. Yeah, I am I would be okay with a Star Wars movie every year, but I think this is the right plan to get back on track. So you're just going to make more bad issue. movies that way. Like, the more movies you make, the more bad ones you're going to make. Yeah. I, I wouldn't disagree with that. And if TV is executed properly, then I would agree that better mediums and saving movies for more event-like circumstances. Now, do we know if these three movies are a trilogy? Yes. Do we know if they're Benioff and Weiss or Ryan Johnson connected? No. Okay. Now, we don't know exactly that they're a trilogy. But surely one or the other. However, the odds of them being one of the... Tr being <clears throat> Two, two movies of one trilogy and one of another, yeah. there's extremely low chance on that. That would be so weird. It's very, very, very likely the Benioff and Weiss trilogy. It aligns perfectly with their game with Game of Thrones finishing up uh, and the fact that they're associated, I believe, peripherally with some of the Game of Thrones spinoffs, but this would align well with their time to be able to shift their focus to starting working on Star Wars, getting some scripts ready, um, putting some directors in place and kind of building out their team and this works well in that timeline. Mm -hmm. Ryan Johnson, some people are thrilled because only three movies are announced. So then they just see this as Ryan Johnson's movies are not happening. Give but me a break. once again, that's just wishful thinking by some people. And I'm I'm still of the belief that Ryan Johnson's movies are going to be happening based on everything that was emphasized at Star Wars Celebration. But it's tough because you know how public opinion can spoil things. Like you don't want people to go and wanting to hate Ryan Johnson movies. No, exactly what they're doing I think is the smart thing. They're focusing with Benioff and Weiss first and they're hardcore telling the fans, hey, we know you guys love these guys. Ryan Johnson's working directly with them. So whatever product you get from Benioff and Weiss is also a Ryan Johnson project. Right. And so that means when you get a Ryan Johnson like dominant project, 
understand that it also has Benioff and Weiss influence and also understand that you've already told us that you like this because you like the Benioff and Weiss stuff. Yep. Now, if the Benioff and Weiss trilogy bombs, then Benioff, Weiss, and Ryan Johnson will all be fired. Yeah, it could happen. But uh, then like, they have to reevaluate a lot. They would have to reevaluate everything. Yeah, it's not going to bomb. But I would be shocked if it bombed because no. Benioff and Weiss are pros at adapting information. And there's so much good Legends content out there that if they didn't find some way to find good nuggets of Old Republic content to make a singular trilogy. Yeah. A single trilogy to start it off with. I mean, they don't need to... They can go back to the beginning of the Old Republic. They can go back to the beginning of Jedi and Sith. They go back to certain points in the Old Republic. There's so much they can work with that it would be shocking if they totally screwed it up. They must have fire in their bellies too because they're working against the pressure of not being one-hit wonders. That's true. Uh, I'm really excited about the notion that... Think about how many good actors they have on speed dial now true all those game of thrones actors are going to be either out of work um or shifting to a main project something like this okay but we already in star wars in just a couple years we already have amelia clark and gwendolyn christie but gwendolyn christie you never see her face and you're not gonna bring her back to do another thing no but my point is you never see her face it's not like you're making any connection whatsoever to game of thrones uh, I guess so. And Amelia Clark looks very different in those two roles as well. I mean, I don't think it necessarily calls back for too many people. I, I agree they need to be careful. I don't want to see necessarily like Kit Harington and a bunch of people. Like a lot of people do want Kit Harington in Star Wars because Kit Harington wants to be in Star Wars. Sure. Uh, and that that is always a good sign. But when you look at how big their cast is and like some of the people like Charles Dance and like there could be some really good people to draw out for some evil roles and some phenomenal protagonists and you could cast sean bean and just kill him off you could always do that i think that would be funny just because it's consistent <laughs> yeah or better yet you don't kill him that's off. right and, and just, so everybody's ah! waiting for him to die <laughs> you're always nervous but when he's better, on camera or you make him like an <laughs> alien who is constantly uh going like going to die like he's constantly in bad situations right uh, or a robot that gets broken and therefore can't die so they can repair it i think that would be really funny if they brought in sean bean for comedic death role that'd be fun i think that could work sure. in some way shape or form sure. he'd really have to be open to that inside joke oh i've seen him do funny stuff yeah and so i think that could work well maybe they'll give us a, a trilogy in in the, the 2030s or something <laughs> that'd, <laughs> that'd be, be very cool that'd be very fun um rise of skywalker john williams has scored the 25 minutes of it already huh. uh, he loves everything he's seen so that's really encouraging this is his last one uh, it is his last one. He yeah. has said that. Yeah. And so I think that's perfect. Wraps yeah. it up there. It, it and there's enough guys that they've had through Rebels and Clone Wars and these spinoff movies. It's such a gift that he has lived to the end of this Absolutely. third trilogy. Yeah. It, it really is great. And uh, they brought in people for uh, Mandalorian. And so they've got enough great composers in the mix now that the Star Wars sound is being captured by other people and done well. Mm -hmm. uh, also, Matt Smith. Uh, sorry, Matt Smith. Uh, more rumors swirling up around his role uh, within the Rise of Skywalker. Some very like some potentially strong leaks. Uh, so if this is potential spoiler warning for anyone, but uh, the odds are he is going to be a possessed soul of Pal for Palpatine. Yeah, that's cool. So it would be Snoke. Uh, the history of the character is that he was a politician of influence. He he knew Leia, and so he was likely the relic hunter that Kylo Ren's character was supposed to be mm -hmm. um, in The Force Awakens. So the chance is that they've kind of separated the original character of Kylo Ren, 
um, by allowing the Relic Hunter co component to be a little bit of Snoke. Snoke having discovered the lost Death Star, being possessed by Palpatine, and potentially when Kylo Ren kills Snoke, that's what releases Palpatine back into the world. And then in some way, shape, or form, Matt Smith is going to become that. Whether Matt Smith is a Knight of Ren, who oh, then yeah. is potentially Kylo sends out to go and find, like, like learn from the Death Star. Becomes and, a new host. And becomes a new host while he's there. Or maybe they go together and Kylo tries to become the new host himself. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Matt Smith takes it from him. Or who knows? Mm. Uh, so, the, but that's the very much believed that Matt Smith will be the conduit for Palpatine's um, de uh, devious deeds in this movie. And we've discussed the possibility that Kylo Ren is indirectly already hosting Palpatine. Yes, that is also a possibility. Whether that's through Vader's mask, whether that's through his own mask yeah. that he's repairing. Uh, oh, that could that could be interesting. Yeah, uh, there's. There, yeah, there's a lot of things. It could even be uh, a friggin' lightsaber. Sure. Who knows what it is? There's actually, I noticed this. Uh, some of the drawings of some of the Knights of Ren have one of the Knights of Ren has a lightsaber that looks the same as Darth Vader's. Interesting. Like, identical. Interesting. And so that fell down the shaft yeah. with his hand where the Emperor was. So Vader's lightsaber could very easily be it too what about the graphlex which was just busted open well that could be it too and kylo ren really wanted that back he in the force really Awakens. really wanted now that would be interesting because that would mean and this is an angle that has ray being the one possessed yes you could go that road sure. too well i mean there have always been talks about will ray go dark well i, I that's the thing nobody's talking about ray being the one who potentially could be possessed in this movie people are talking that the association with palpatine could be from her origins but nobody's talking about the fact that it could palpatine could He's always wanted the young, amazing new Jedi. But people just assume that's Kylo Ren because of the Skywalker bloodline. Right. But what if Sky what if that's his redemption? Yeah. What if his redemption is saving Rey and killing Palpatine by saving Rey oh, in the same time? That's better. That's so good. It's so much better than like t like redeeming himself by freeing himself of Palpatine. If he were to do a selfless act to save someone else and at the same time well and if you're even if he died in the process if you're palpatine and you know that there's at least two really impressive new jedis out there one of which you want to yeah use like you've always used the young the you pick ray mm -hmm. she's it just she's better fit she's younger yep she's not like he's been down this road before I, the blood of kylo that's the thing we don't know about ray's blood sure but we know kylo has insanely powerful blood in the sense of force genes yeah but we've tried that and it's been Quite quite a hassle. Well, he did have to wrangle Skywalker blood. Yeah, well, that's definitely true. And but it's interesting to hear comes kind of Snoke's conversation because all of the comments that he says about Darth Vader to Kylo Ren just sound like a pissed off Palpatine. Yep. Uh, so that definitely lends more credit there. Uh, but I guess kind of back to the Ray possession theory. Uh, some people having, kind of, I guess, no, sorry, not the Ray possession theory, but the Ray origin theory. Um, I've been thinking that maybe. Matt Smith could have an association there as well. Yeah. So that line, what girl? Yeah. And it is you that he says in the, in the novelization. So Kylo Ren has some understanding of Rey. So maybe Matt Smith is like her brother or something. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like maybe Matt Smith was her brother and uh, he took, uh, I don't know if he could have freed her um, and then he gets possessed or some sort. Or maybe because that could actually be a really good way to patchwork the you're nobody, your parents were no one kind of uh, snafu, if you want to call it that. Like He that, would be able to have information on who she was. Well, that and like, so maybe her parents were nobody. That doesn't mean her whole family is nobody. Absolutely. 
That's a very good point. <clears throat> and maybe they could be they they could come from the same origin even if they aren't siblings of sorts, but somebody who could then explain more to her. Well, and Shmi Skywalker was nobody. Mhm. Definitely. So I mean, there's a lot of interesting ways in which this could go. Uh Kylo Ren, we've always thought that he maybe was the one who dropped Ray off, or maybe he maybe Ray was a student of Luke's and in particular um Matt Smith hit her. Yeah. And Kylo Ren, when he was tearing through Luke's temple, couldn't find her and was losing his shit. Right. Because he, who's the one student who escaped? The one student he couldn't convert or kill. Maybe that's how it went. And maybe sure. Matt Smith was the one who did something there. So there's so many different things. And I like the notion of Matt Smith um, still being in this movie, but in a role we have no fucking clue on. Yeah, that's fun. And everything about Palpatine Bay and back in this movie is also extremely exciting. Of course. Other than that, really nothing to say. Uh, there's some novelizations, uh, sorry, some novels and some books coming out. Uh, there's a really cool cover art for the Rise of Skywalker uh, concept art. Oh, wow, uh, yeah. So it's kind of a, a bisection of the book's uh, title cover with Rey and Kylo crossing sabers in kind of a mirrored dark and light. Uh, there's been some leaked rumors about a notion of flash fights, mm-hmm. which would have a lightsaber battle that essentially reflects elements of time as they're fighting with each other so essentially going through uh force visions as they clash sabers with one another really cool which would also be kind of like a montage of the nine movies much like ray's vision had elements of so many parts of this saga i will say that image and listeners can't see it but they can look it up yes uh it evokes the yin and yang theory absolutely it's very much going along those lines yeah uh there's also a story called force collector and this one is an interesting one because uh, it could be like a young, like when you look at the picture, it looks almost like a young friggin' Ben Solo. It's not. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it's a young Matt Smith. Maybe we're going to learn more about that character through that way. But this is a story essentially about a force sensitive um, individual who goes and he's kind of going around the galaxy collecting items and artifacts. And You really sold on Matt Smith being a really crucial character. I am a, I am extremely sold on there being an, an the problem is you need an essential knight of ren. Yep. The knights of ren need to be something. Yep. And are you going to have a leader of them? They need to be a foe of some nature. Uh is Palpatine going to be in this movie? Everything is pointing to him not being uh like a physical presence, but his entity being in the movie in some capacity. Now that could be in in a ghost capacity or a haunting capacity. It doesn't necessarily need to be represented through another individual. But we don't have Snoke anymore, mm-hmm. which is very strongly indicating that like he's not going to be coming back because we have Palpatine. Why yeah. in the world are we going to have Snoke and Palpatine both come back? No, it's not going to happen. So you need another villain yep. because Palpatine is not enough of a villain on his own and Kylo Ren is not enough of a villain because Kylo Ren is not the villain. He's a protagonist. Yes. He's just the ultimate embattled anti-hero. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's the anti-hero part of it, and Ray is our, you know, our our hero's journey, right? Protagonist, absolutely. So I, I I think he needs to be because I don't know how this movie can be executed in a way that does not have <clears throat> another essential character in an antagonizing role, right? Um, unless Ian McDermott has a more substantial role than we possibly could think, but. That remains to be seen because he's never had that much of a substantial role uh, as the Emperor other than Revenge of the Sith. Right. And I don't think they're going back that far. No, they're not. They're not. Is that all you have? 
Uh, yeah, that's really all there is to say. Uh, there's a cool uh, kind of alien archive dictionary out there now as well um, that uh, kind of takes a tour through all the aliens in the galaxy. And there's also a book that shows uh, Leia, uh, Poe, Finn, and Rey kind of rebuilding the Resistance uh, right after The Last Jedi. And so it's called, I think, Resistance Reborn. Uh, and that book is leading right into The Rise of Skywalker. I want to give a couple of birthday wishes in addition to Peter Mayhew, whose birthday is this coming Sunday. Last Sunday, uh, Donald Gleason, General Hux, had a birthday. And uh, absolutely most importantly of all, Tuesday the 14th, happy birthday to George Lucas. Woohoo! That's a good one. And also in, well, in, our, May. in our little hiatus, uh, May the 4th was also. That's right. We had Star Wars yes, Day in there. And uh, Revenge of the 5th. Or Revenge of the Sixth, which sounds better. Yeah, it does. Uh, And also is more in line with, you know, the multiples of three being the... Mark Hamill tweets a new one every day. Like, may the 11th be Millie Bobby Brown on Stranger Things. (laughs) (laughs) They get worse and worse. That is funny, though. Well, I'm curious to know on 12, because nothing rhymes with 12. So they say. Is it 12 or orange that has actually no rhymes? I mean, orange has no rhymes, no perfect rhymes. Yeah, but I guess some things do rhyme with orange. But do any does anything perfectly like rhyme with twelve or el elf 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 <laughs> shelve? No, you're right. Those those are all you can pluralize it, but that's the yeah. only way. Okay, this well, is a terrible end of the podcast. It sure wow. is. If you have any thoughts on what rhymes with what or this podcast or Star Wars in general, you can email us uh, at recorder six six podcast at gmail dot com or tweet recorder sixty six. Or if you know what rhymes with twelve or orange. Also, you could do that as well. <laughs> I have a I have an interesting tweet that we got from our buddy Chris, and we never really get feedback. Okay, nice. And this was weeks ago, so I almost forgot. Um, so I don't even exactly remember what he said, but I'm checking it right now. So this is our pal Chris. He wrote in, I need to ask you, address something in the podcast. What the hell is going on with Dryden Voss's obscenely pointy thumb? It's all I see every time he's on screen and nobody's talking about it or even noticing it. I didn't notice he had a pointy thumb. Is this a Carrie Fisher reference to her dark habits? Look up a picture. I don't think it's a Coke nail, but... No, I don't think so either. Let's look. I haven't noticed that before. This is a hot take I have not ever considered. Um, And he's in general very... I'm trying to think if I have noticed it, but it's not actually... He's, I mean, Dryden Voss is in his nature very lurid and kind of gaunt. So for him to have these sharp Bertonian features, I kind of get it. Do you see his his pointy finger? Oh, yes, I do see it now. (laughs) There we go. It's his thumb. Yeah, Yeah, that's what he says. It's his thumb. Well, he's humanoid. He's not a human. He's not a human. No. Oh, I didn't know this. Well, I mean, the scars on his face. Yeah, but people can have scars on their faces. Yes, but the scars react. Sure, but it's Star Wars. That that's not enough reason to think he's not a human. His, 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 his scars are—they change. So he's not—he's he, humanoid, the same way Snoke would be. All right, so that's kind of the answer as to why his thumb is pointy. Yeah, and Snoke has pointy thumbs, so who knows? Maybe they're the same species. Maybe friggin' Snoke is Dryden Voss. Wouldn't that be shitty? That would be so terrible. <laughs> It'd be so upsetting. Especially seeing as he died. Right. Oops. Didn't mean to spoil the next 20. <laughs> well, we'll get to that when we get to it. Uh, in the meantime, tweet us at Recorder66, rate and review on iTunes, and until we're together again, may the Force be with you.